Chip. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our family room. This is where we gather to grieve loss, to celebrate births, celebrate marriage and breakthrough. We gather to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. We gather to encourage one another, to support each other, to pray for each other, to be discipled, and to make disciples. And most of all, to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the name that is above every name, in heaven above and in earth below, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. We also, <clears throat> it's a family room. We spend time here as a family, and, and as all of you know, families have seasons. Life is full of seasons. There's the natural seasons, the spring, summer, fall, and winter. Uh, there's seasons of rest in our lives. There's seasons of tremendous exertion. Uh, there's a pace that we're supposed to maintain, and, and sometimes that pace increases and decreases, and um, we got a part of our, a member of our body who's changing seasons, and uh, we're kind of an odd body in that it's our goal, and I don't, I don't mean that to put any other body down, but we're making it a practice as much as we're able to cultivate a culture of honor here. We want to honor uh, those that have gone before us in the faith, those whose shoulders we stand on, those we're currently serving with, and those that are up and coming. We want to honor the kids as they're growing up. Uh, we want to honor the partners that we have, uh, the other churches, the other ministers that come and join. And, and this morning, I want to take just a minute before we get into the teaching, and I'd like to honor Tammy. Uh, if Matt and Tammy, if you guys want to come up here for just a second, um, Tammy, as many of you know, has been faithfully taking care of a very, very long list of responsibilities. If you are curious how long the list is, I sat through a couple of hours and we made it through the first quarter of what all she managed and took care of for us as a church family. Uh, it's impossible to do this without people like Tammy. Um, without, well, there's countless members of you that are participating in things, but at this point, current season, Matt and Tammy's, their life, the seasons are shifting and changing, and it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Um, they're stepping into what God has called them into. There's much ministry afoot from what we've talked about, and, uh, but the season of serving as an administrative pastor, that season's coming to a close for right now, and it's not, don't anybody think, nobody was booting anybody, there was no, there's no ill will, there's no uh, negativity. In fact, we sat down and talked about uh, this idea some time ago, and I realized, I think one of the things that I struggle with personally so much with this change is she's one of those people that has just always been there. Uh, we've went through thick and thin in leadership and personal lives, and um, she's just always been there. She's always been, she's always been the one that when I'm like, the world's falling apart, we can't keep doing this. No, we just have to, all we gotta do is just go to the next mile marker. Just go to the next mile marker. And just a, a tremendous voice of encouragement in my life um, in ministry and doing way more than anybody, any of us see. I thought I had a pretty good handle. Like I know Tammy does like financial stuff. I knew that. And uh, it wasn't really until we started talking about the mechanics of what all this is that it was like, 
Yeah, I have no idea what all this is. So we're, there's several of the elders and a few other people that we've tagged in to help uh, carry this and kind of shuffle the load around. Uh, the picture that I have gotten, and I'm going to share this. I hope you don't mind I share this. The picture that I've gotten with where we're at right now and really the way I desire this leadership team and this church body to function is just like a herd of, or a flock of geese when they fly. When somebody gets tired in the front, the geese don't just shoot their fellow goose and move on. They don't cook the goose. Rather, they make a spot, a pocket in the back. You notice the geese fly south. For, now, we have strange geese around here. Sometimes they're flying north. They're flying very strange. They're supposed to fly south in the winter. I hear you. But it's my desire that us, as a, as a flock of geese, that we make a pocket, a pocket to rest, a pocket where they don't have to bear the brunt of every concern, every question, every difficulty, um, everything that we don't know the answer to. Um, and so that's, that's the way I desire us to function, that when somebody gets tired of flying in the front, that we create a pocket for them uh, to rest and to fly with us as a part of our body. Um, so that's, there's some changes coming up. If you have questions, so th- for the last several years, any questions, we just sent all of them to Tammy. And then she would sort it out and uh, she would pass them on. You are still, I didn't clear this with her, but you're still fine to talk to her with your questions. But she's probably not going to deal with them. She'll just tell you, go talk to this person or that person. So she, her knowledge of what all is going on hasn't changed or anything like that, but her, uh, her formal title, she's taken some time with her family. Is there anything you want to say? We're, we, yeah. You can. I don't know where the microphone is. Oh, it's right there. I just want to say thank you. I, I want to say thank you for allowing me to um, uh, do this and honor you guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for putting faith in me, Jill and Jerry. I really appreciate the um, everything that you've taught me, um, everything that you've shown me. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having the confidence in me that I could do this. <laughs> I um, really appreciate it. It's bittersweet because I don't want us not do this, but it's just a time for us to be to spend some time as a family and not not worry, that's not the right word, but focus on my family for right now, and um, I'm not gone, we're not gone, we're here, we're 100% here, we might not see us every week, but we're here, Um, so um, I appreciate you, Um, Isaac, Tom, I appreciate all the elders, but Isaac and Tom and I have been in this from my beginning of doing this, and I appreciate the shoulders and the arms that have held us up in times that we need it. These guys are like brothers to me, and I'm so grateful that I got to do this with you guys. So, and thank you to everyone. And of course, don't just feel free to ask anything that you want. I don't mind. I can explain whatever, but I will probably send you to someone else. <laughs> so, that's all. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you, and then I got a couple more things I want to share. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for my sister, for the uh, like-minded believer that she is, for the weight that she has borne, the leadership role that she has filled. Father, I thank you for Matt, for the, uh, his willingness to pull, to pull hard, to pull in the same direction, uh, to call a spade a spade. Father, I thank you for the accountability that this couple has provided for me personally. 
Uh, I think about different times in the last several years that, that it may be a simple word and they probably don't even remember them, but the, the little words that they have given me over the years uh, that have aided in keeping me on course, that have verified the call that you have placed on my life and, and also your timing, Lord. I just thank you for your timing. I uh, thank you that this isn't uh, the end of the book. It's just a change in season. So we look forward to this next season just like a kid looking forward to Christmas time, there's good things coming, there's snow coming, there's, that's a poor metaphor for Tammy, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like coming into summer. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much for this family. I pray a blessing over them, a hedge of protection, the blessing of Abraham be upon their life and their ministry. Uh, everywhere they go, Father, we know that just as you have called the, you called the children of Israel into the land of Canaan and, and promised them that everywhere the sole of their foot touched, that, that you had that for them. I just pray that same blessing over this family, that whatever, uh, whatever they step into, whatever building they step into, whatever relationships they step into, Father, that you go before them, you go cover over them, and you go behind them. You provide the rear guard for them. Lord, I just thank you so much that they are part of this body, that they are still uh, such important parts of this family at Revelation Rock. I pray a blessing over them. And over our time of ministry now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. There's so many people. I was sitting this morning during worship, and I was thinking about Revelation Rock, and I looked around at um, all of you, various roles that you fill. Think of Shelby and Olivia, all that they do. Some of you, if you've not been here very long, or maybe if you've been here for a long time but never asked any questions, you might say, Shelby who? Olivia who? Well, we have words on the screen and sound in our ears because of Shelby and Olivia. They make this church body function. They keep the words on the screen, the sound coming out of the speakers. I think of Jerry and Jill and their uh, willingness to start this ball rolling, to carry the torch, and then to pass it on. I think of Tom and the integrity that Tom possesses. That, I mean, it's integrity to, to a fault, to a difficulty sometimes. I, I'm just thankful for you. I think of Terry, Kevin, and Danny, all the work that they've put in. There's, I could just go on. We start at one side and all the way over. Everybody that helped with Grace Camp. And I, I think of something. Uh, Trey and I had a meeting together this last week. We were talking about a whole bunch of detailed stuff, um, just about personal lives. And he said... he reminded me of a saying that said, if you want something done, ask the busiest person you know, and it'll get done. It's a simple saying, but when I look across this body, it's like all of you guys are busy. And not in a bad way. I don't mean busyness like the, the negative, the, what's the acronym, burdened under Satan's yoke. I don't mean that. I mean, you're all active. This body, we have one of, if not the highest percentage of involvement in this church body that I have ever seen everybody's doing stuff. You guys are all involved in stuff, and I want to thank you. I want to honor you, just like we talked about with Matt and Tammy. I want to honor you. Um, it is a tremendous honor to be a part of this body and to be in, in leadership. It's been difficult and really good the last couple of weeks. I haven't got to preach, and so uh, I met with Terry last week for coffee, and he had to deal with it, and my wife deals with it, I mean, about every day. I had Kirk over to work on something the other day, and he's like, good night, what is wrong? I said, I haven't preached in a couple of weeks, okay? So thank you to everyone for your patience. It's been difficult, but it's been so good and so sweet to see the Lord bring uh, words 
from Kentucky and from Missouri and for the Lord to time them for us for such a time as this. It's, it is almost, I told my wife when we left the one, I don't remember which Sunday it was, it's almost eerie how somebody from, that you haven't talked to doesn't know anything about your life and they can get a word and it can be just the perfect time. It's amazing. Sometimes I think we discredit our family members because like, well, yeah, they know what's going on and so that yeah, it wasn't really from the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit's like, really? I'll show you. I'll bring somebody that you've only talked to one time and I'll have them speak to your deepest needs and meet you right where you are. About two weeks ago, the Grace Camp finale, what a great time. Ministry and worship. I wanna thank you all as a church family. This is a lot of busyness or busy work some details we gotta get out before we get into the teaching this morning. But I wanna thank you guys as a church family for giving financially, for giving of your time, for giving of your resources, and even for welcoming Grace Camp in for our Sunday morning. It takes a lot. It it's, dominates the whole building on the Sunday morning after Grace Camp. And it's exciting, but there's a lot to it. And I wanna thank you personally. You're impacting generations by not just the money given, but also the time, willingness to sacrifice or to give our service for the finale of Grace Camp. Last week, and they're obviously not here, but I, I just wanna thank Kent and Liz Ward, the pastors, uh, I lost the name of their church in Missouri, um, for coming and sharing. What a powerful word. They shared on the orphan, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. It is absolutely worth the listen the comparisons between an orphan mindset and the mindset of a son. Such a timely and clear message for us. And out of all of this, I've had to keep my mouth shut. I haven't got to really preach. And it's, it's difficult, but there's so much good that came from it. And sometimes I think it is good for us as a body to hear somebody other than me, to hear a voice that's not mine, Mine can get that echoey every week. We just hear that over and over and he gets excited about stuff and uh, it's soon gonna be lunchtime. And where somebody else comes in, they can speak similar words, but because it's an unfamiliar voice, our ears, the Holy Spirit can tune our ears to hear. But I do have much to share. Over the last few weeks and over the last few months in my personal life, identity is the word for the summer. It's the word for the summer here at Revelation Rock. Identity is one of those things that we take for granted in this natural life. You think, oh, what do you mean we take it for granted? We're very familiar with our identity in the natural. You might think, I'm not sure I am. I promise you, you are. As our kids, so we've got uh, my oldest daughter is going into first grade my only daughter, my middle son is going into preschool, and, and then Rip is, is just running around, the youngest. Um, but those oldest two, I remember when Taya went into preschool, and if you, any of you have sent kids to preschool, or you've nieces, nephews, grandkids, whatever, um, there's a few things they need to know. Like, they won't just let you take anybody into preschool. There's a few things. I mean, we as adults, we may think that bar is pretty low, you gotta be able to, or maybe they teach them. I can't remember if they have to know this before or if they learn it there. I should have researched this before. They gotta tie their shoes. By the time they're done with preschool, they gotta be able to tie their shoes. That's like, that's not really an identity thing. But before they go, they really encourage you, they need to know their name. Not just, hey you, 
But they need to, because there's like 21 hey yous in the room. And so they need to know what makes them unique. They need to know their name. What's your name? And we, you go over this with the kids. It's like, that sounds simple, doesn't it? And as an adult, it's like, well, of course I know my name. And yet that's the first thing they ask after a concussion is like, do you know your name? It's important. This is fundamental. You want to function in this world, you got to know your name. What's the next thing they want to teach in, in uh, kindergarten, preschool? But you got to know your, what's your address? Where do you live? And I think they, that, I mean, that's a pretty, they grade that one a pretty sharp or a pretty gradual curve. It's like, I'm from Wasion. That's good. That's good. That's, I mean, it's not your address, but it's close. It's part of your address. Then you got to know your phone number, which today, like when I was a kid, we had a home phone number. So all three of us kids learned the same phone number. It was for our house. It wasn't mom's number or dad's number. Now you got cell phone numbers. And so they, you teach them, what's, what's mom's phone number? What's your parents' names? Who do you belong to? And then they don't need to know this for preschool. But the last number, the last really, really important number that a child learns is what? Social security number. Everybody's got to know their social security number. Like, oh, it seems pretty simple, right? In the natural, this is simple. We know this. Uh, if you think, so you think about this. I, so I've had a handful of things in the last month that I have had to have all, this, all these questions asked. I had my DOT physical the other day. So the DOT physical is just a medical card that says you can drive a semi across the state lines. Apparently it gets harder when you cross the state line than when you're in the state that you're from. <laughs> So you got to have a medical, a piece of paper that says you're not going to black out or you shouldn't black out. You're, whatever. It, they go through, and before they do any of it, they, don't, they ask you, what's your date of birth? What's your name? What's your, all these information things. What's, your, what's the last four of your social security number? What's your phone number? What's your mother's maiden name? What's the make of your first vehicle? What's your dog's name? They go on and on. Now, some of those, if you want to open a credit card, they ask you all those same questions. You fill out, what's your security questions? You got to know these things. And if you notice, most of those questions are identity-based. If I were to ask, I, I dare say, if I were to ask any of you, the last four of your social, your first answer would be, I am not saying in the microphone. And your second answer would be, you would know it. You know the last four of your social. You know your phone number. Now, my wife, as a nurse, she knows more things, which everyone knows. She's my wife. She knows more things. But she knows, like, what's your blood type? She asked me what my blood type one time was. I said, it's red. <laughs> I, it's, I know that it is red. And she's like, well, mine's red, too. We must have the same blood type. Now, there are people that know these things. And yes, they are most always mothers <laughs> that know blood type. But there's all these different things that are unique to you. If you get into the, the negative, oftentimes more of a negative side of your identity, you got to have your fingerprints. Now, it's not always negative. There's some positive things where you need your fingerprints. But you got to have a fingerprint because nobody's got your fingerprint. And how many of you know that nobody's got your fingerprint your eye color, your same mother's maiden name, your same middle name, your same social security number, the same address, and your same phone number. You get all of those things and we got it whittled down to one person. It's you. It's uniquely you. We practice and exercise this all the time. You say, I don't really practice it. Yes, you do. Anybody in here ever had their credit card hacked? I'm not gonna hack it. I just, anybody ever experienced that? I think some of you have. I've experienced it a handful of times. And the last time it happened, we were on vacation. 
in North Carolina. And so I didn't have, I rely heavily on a filing system that my wife manages to find information. But you know what I did have? I had every piece of information they needed to shut that card down on the tip of my tongue. You just need to know your social security number. You need to know, I think it was my mother's maiden name, so if anyone's looking to hack me, that's what you need to know. But it was these simple things that I knew I didn't have to think about it when I called. I was, I was freaking out because it was like, I don't know how to get this shut down. They're like, oh, we can shut it down. All we need is these handful of detailed, unique bits of information. The American Heritage Dictionary defines identity this way. Number one, it is the condition of being a certain specific person or thing. Number two, it's a set of characteristics by which a person or thing is definitively recognizable or known. That was pretty good. I was going to read all these because they're all very unique, but I don't want to overwhelm us all. The third one, though, is pretty good. It's the awareness that an individual or group has, the being, has of being distinct and persisting unique identity. Unique being, sorry. The fact or condition of being the same as something else. The fact or condition of being associated with someone or something else. It's like a family name. That's a picture of like a family, like you guys have cousins, you got brothers and sisters, you got aunts and uncles, you share something with them. You share part of your identity. And then it goes on, information such as an ID number used to prove a person's individuality. In the natural, we must know who we are by measurable, definitive metrics. Yet in the spiritual, with regards to our relationship and standing with Jesus and our Father, we're much more hesitant with our identity specs, aren't we? For instance, now this, in this room, I, don't, I think we'd be pretty confident in this. But if someone were to ask, are you righteous? Yes. Are you an American citizen? Yes. Are you righteous? Uh, we get a little wishy-washy, don't we? Are you a Christian? Uh, I mean, I go to church. It's like saying, what's your social security number? Well, I live in Ohio. Well, that's not your social security number. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, doesn't make you a child of God. Are you a child of God? Do we know? I think about these things because here's the thing. In the natural, we grasp this. We understand this principle of knowing who we are and its importance, don't we? We get it. We understand it. We practice it. We teach our kids it. We, go, we made up songs for our phone number for the kids so that they know the phone number to call mom if they need something. We want them to know who they are and whose they are. They need to know who do you belong to. When you walk out of preschool, you don't just run to any old parent you find. You find your parent. Who do you belong to? And yet in the spiritual, the reason for understanding who we are in the natural is exactly the same as knowing who we are in the spiritual. Because when someone comes along and what? questions your identity. Do you know what to say to prove that you are who you are? Not to say necessarily out loud, although it's important to say it out loud, but in your head, do you know, yes, I know who I am. It's very important because here's what can happen. You can end up in the crazy, the crazy floor of the hospital. It's like, I don't know who, I don't know who I am. And so you start doubting, I don't know if I'm righteous. I might not be righteous. And so we start looking at natural markers. That's our tendency is we, someone, 
maybe ourselves mostly, questions our spiritual identity, and we just pivot to like, I don't know, what's the natural markers? I, I don't know if I'm righteous because I thought this yesterday. So I must not be, your identity is not a fluctuating thing. It doesn't come and go. You know that you're, you don't, okay, this is a simple picture, but you know I like pictures. All of my kids, when they were born, they got their social security number. And you know, they haven't paid anything into social security. Not a dime. They got their whole number right away. This is your social security number. This is who you are. This is what identifies you as unique. You were born at this place at this time to these parents. They haven't paid anything in. They got their whole number. You don't get like, well, you know, I got the first number of my social security number. Once I start paying into social security, I'll get the rest of those numbers. Our identity, spiritually speaking, was established at a point in time. And when it was established, it was completed. It was completely established. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, is your body fixed yet? No. How many of you know your mind's not done yet? But your identity isn't your mind or your body. And I know this body, we've got this locked down. But I just, the Lord has been really, really working on me with this lately. And I want to share it with you. On uh, the book of Jeremiah, verses, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, reads, Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So often in this life, we, we live it um, kind of on the ragged edge of our standing with God, trying to find God. Anybody ever heard somebody tell, well, I'm trying to find God. I'm, that's a legitimate, people, it's like, oh, I'm trying to find God. I want to go find him. We, we tend to view relationship with God, standing with God, our position in faith as this thing that it's like God is a static being and we're trying to find our way to him. How much this changes that? Jeremiah wrote, the word of the Lord came to me. He, wait, Jeremiah went looking for this? No, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were ever born of water, born of water, this is earthly birth, before you were ever born, I set you apart. I marked you as mine. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations known, set apart, and purposed. Think about that, believer, in your heart. Before you were ever born, God knew you. Before you were ever born, God set you apart. He called your name. And then he purposed you. He gave you a specific, unique purpose. 
There is so much today in our culture that is about time and chance and whatever happens, like, I don't know, we'll see. And we see in Scripture that God has a clear and concise plan. Now, you can choose to not participate. We don't have to do whatever God called us to. But understand, he knows you, and he has always known you. He knew you before you knew. He knew Thomas Ordway. And he chose him in spite of Thomas Ordway. He didn't say, man, if he can only, I got a few hoops and some rings for him to jump through, and then, buddy, I got something. No, he's like, he's mine. And an accuser of the brethren, Satan can come along and say, I don't think you're fit for the Lord. That doesn't change. We don't see in here where the accuser of the brethren can call that sanctification away. Now, you were set apart for a specific purpose. How many of you know that if you don't know why you're doing anything, it's going to be really difficult to do it if something comes in opposition? We've talked about this the last, that's been a month or two ago. I think about this with regards to ministry, with regards to relationships. I'm going to skip ahead. We're going to come back. Uh, In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, we see Mordecai's words to Esther. He says, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows, who knows, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know that I do not believe that Mordecai was asking that as a like an actual question. Like, I don't know. It's a rhetorical question to lead Esther into seeing what she was placed there for. And we can get wrapped around, everybody know what it means to get wrapped around the axle? It's like you can get, or lost in, like lost in the weeds, you're just kind of wandering around. We can sit here and we can discuss whether or not this means that God caused everything to happen. We, don't, we know better than that, that God did not cause Satan to come, God didn't cause all the bad, but God is big enough to still have a unique purpose for us, even in the midst of other people not following his will or his plan for their lives. I think I look at Esther's life, and everything wasn't puppies and kittens. Like for the nation of Israel at that point in time, it was not. Things were not going real well. And the Lord positioned her. He called her. He sanctified or set her apart in her mother's womb. I love the detail of this because it helps us to see we're not just lost, wandering around, hoping to bump into God, or even, how depends how often you seek him. No, he knew you whether you seek him or not. You are specifically and uniquely his. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we see God. Let us create man in our own image. According to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And it it goes on in Genesis. God talks about forming man, crafting man out of the dust. He carefully crafted. He created you specific. If we go back up here, 
I'm going to read a couple of chunks of scripture out of Psalm 139. We'll start in verse 1 of Psalm 139. 1 through 6 and then 13 through 16. I want to read these. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. We could just stop there and just think on that and meditate. The Lord has searched you out and he has known you. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me in behind and before, you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Skip down to verse 13, we see, he goes on, For you formed me, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. In your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet none of them were. Paul wrote in several places in Galatians 1.15, we see him, how he knew he was separated from his mother's womb. This isn't a... It's just, it's on my heart heavy that we as a church family, each of you, not just corporately, corporately, yes, I believe the Lord has plans for this church body, but specifically, I want to challenge each of you to stop and think, to realize who it is that knows you and has known you and carefully crafted you. I'm going to use an example, and it works out that Jerry happens to be here for this. Um, this podium, we carry it up here, and we, we preach from it every week. And we didn't buy this at the store. This wasn't something that we ordered off Amazon. You can't find these on Amazon. This is, uh, it's, <clears throat> it's not something that was mass produced. You'll never find another one just like it ever, anywhere in all time. You could make one similar but you couldn't make one just like it. This podium is the result of a craftsman who took materials. When this was raw materials, it did not resemble this. In fact, it wasn't even this color. It's been stained, oiled, carefully sanded and crafted into this. There's no sharp edges on this. There's no splinters. It's a work of art. It's a beautiful podium. Now, Jerry built this to preach the gospel from. And there came a point, a seasonal change in his life, where he wasn't going to be preaching every Sunday anymore. And there was a lot of things that were on Jerry's plate that he carried, that he managed and navigated for all of us as a church family. And many of them he was able to delegate Get this responsibility taken care of, this responsibility taken care of. These details need to be handled at this time. And when it was all done, there was one thing that he wondered about. And it works that you're here. He came to us as leadership and he said, What's going to happen with the podium? 
do you guys, do you want the podium? Do you want to have this as part of the church? Now, why do you think he cared about that? It's just, it's wood, it's glue, there's some fasteners, I believe, somewhere. I, don't, I should ask him because I don't really know if there's fasteners in it or if it's all just fit together. But it's just wood, right? No. No, he cared about this because he created it. He fashioned it. He knew what pieces of wood he fit together and how. And he knew the purpose for it. There was a specific purpose. It's not rocket science to tell what that purpose is. Look at the front of it. Everything that we preach here comes through the lens of the cross. But as Jerry crafted this, this is just a thing. This would burn in a fire. It would be gone. It's not eternal. This podium is not eternal. And yet the craftsman, because he put his heart and soul into it, cares deeply about it. How much more do you think your Father in heaven who knit you together and molded you and crafted you and formed you and knew you even before he put the form on you, how much more do you think he's concerned about where you're at today? About what's going on in your life? And I know for sure that if when Jerry asked us about this podium, if we had said, I don't know, we'll probably just throw it away. I know he would not have said, okay, well, that's fine. He said, well, I, I care about that. I crafted it. I built it. I formed it. I fashioned it. Think about this, church. That's you and I. Our Father in heaven crafted us and knit us together uniquely. And you know what? Just as this podium was crafted for such a time as this, you know, this podium has been involved in more sermons here than Jerry has. Let's think about that. This podium has been involved in almost every sermon preached here. When he's on vacation, when he's stepped back, when he's here and listening, it's involved. This work of art, this thing that he crafted goes on for such a time as this. You were uniquely crafted you were called. This isn't something that the Lord's like, well, I hope they can bumble their way through and find me. No, he knows you. He made you. And some of you, some of you came to know Jesus at a young age. <coughs> Excuse me. Some of you have been walking with him your whole life. Some of you wandered every other which way for a long time. Some of you feel like, well, the better part of my life, I've just wandered every which way. That doesn't matter. He still knew you. He still chose you. He still called you. And he has still crafted you. You want to walk with boldness. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. You want to walk with boldness? Know that you are known. That you are set apart. You're sanctified, and you are ordained for a specific purpose. Peter wrote, old Peter, you guys know we talk about old Peter and young Peter. Old Peter wrote, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You've been specifically set apart to walk by faith in the year 2023. When the world's on fire in a new and unique way from what it was in 2021. 
the relationships that you are currently involved in, just as Mordecai asked Esther, could it be that you're there for such a time as this? Could it be that the person that you started working with last week, that the Lord has designs on you, that when he was crafting you and making you in your mother's womb, it was for a specific relationship and conversation and purpose to have? You are marked, you are called, you are set apart. You know what it means to be set apart. You have the big group and then the one that's set apart, the special one. We see this with Joseph's life. He was sanctified from birth. He was set apart from his brothers. There was all the brothers and Joseph. That's how his father saw him. Now don't wrap your heads around the axle of how can we all be set apart? You can get lost as a ball in high weeds. Understand that our Father in heaven is eternal. And there are things, aspects of that, that I frankly don't have understood. But I see in Scripture that he is capable of setting each of us apart. Specific. Crafting for a specific purpose. Today, in Christianity, it seems that the confidence that comes from being known is lacking. I think about this just basic principle, natural stuff. You, anybody in here, you ever meet somebody and uh, never met them before? And the, the first thing, you kind of talk about what do you got in common? That's the first thing. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't really watch football. And like, oh, well. The first thing I always get when I go places, especially away from our little area, is like, oh, are you a Buckeye? Like, I like to eat Buckeyes. Oh, oh, the, no, I don't know. I don't follow football. I don't know. I, I got, because I don't think, it, but that's like, I used to wear, I had a, my favorite hat for years was the Detroit Tigers hat, and I've never seen a Detroit Tigers baseball game. I wore this hat out. I mean, it was worn out. And I, I remember flying, um, I was to a missions trip, and I had my Tigers hat on, and somebody yelled something from the back of the plane. I was walking on the plane. Somebody I'd never met, they yelled something about, and I just keep walking. Like, I have no idea. I didn't know they were even talking to me. And then somebody who was with me was like, you got a tiger's hat on. I'm like, and? <laughs> we, spend, we spend a little bit of time finding what we got in common with people, but then it doesn't take very long, and the older I get, the closer or the quicker this happens, is you find out who you have in common. The earth gets smaller every day for me. You meet somebody, and then it's like, oh, hey, oh, you know that person. Yeah, I know that person. Well, I don't know them, but I know their nephew. I know their cousin. I know their son or whatever. I worked with this person that knows that person. Does anybody else do that? Or is that just a, just a handful of us that do that? There's a value. Now, depending on who that person knows that you know, your confidence just goes through the roof. Even though you don't know the person, it's like we know the same person. And it's like, I'm tight with them and you're tight with them. We must be friends. Perfect example of this. Grant Fraley, who is going to be coming on in August to preach here, has been uh, leading um, the church that Jeremiah pastors with him for years. Well, I've known Jeremiah for a long time, and over the last couple of years, I've gotten to know Grant. And you know how our friendship grew so deep so fast was because we shared Jeremiah. My confidence in talking to Grant grew exponentially once I knew, oh, he knows Jeremiah. I know Jeremiah. We've got that in common. All of a sudden, I'm like, throw my shoulders back. I'm ready to talk to this brother. Now, another picture of this being known by somebody. When you walk into a room, 
if the it people in that room, the bosses, the cool kids, the socially acceptable, the business owners, you fill in the blank, whoever the cool kids are in that room, if they know you, you immediately feel more at ease and less anxious. Don't you? You walk into, I, I know I got a friend that started a new job the other day. You walk into a room at a new job and you don't know anybody, it's just kind of like you tuck those cards right back here. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to play any of these yet. I don't know anybody. But you walk into a room and it's like, hey, I know Darren. And you find your way to the person that you know. It's like, see, I'm with him. This, I know, I know him. And your being known by somebody affects you, does it not? Does this make sense? Understand, church, as an individual, specific, unique to you, you are known by Father God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who has no beginning and has no end. He shaped you just how you are. And he knew you. And he called you, and he set you apart, and he gave you a purpose. And this isn't just my opinion, because if it was my opinion, it's worth nothing. We see it in Scripture. The movers and the shakers in Scripture knew who they were. They knew who knew them. Do you know who knows you? It's a simple question. Do you know, do you meditate on who knows you? So that when you walk into a room, you know, I am known by Father God. There's nobody knowing you that matters more than that. You can be an outcast of all of society, but if you latch on to the reality that you are known by the Creator God, you are formed. I was made for this. I have a friend. <clears throat> Good friend of mine, he doesn't really do this anymore. He used to barefoot water ski. And uh, all of us did at some level. But this guy, he could barefoot water ski like no tomorrow. Long line, way out the back of the boat, one foot hooked in the rope, standing on the other one. Just effortless. It's like he was built for that. He was craft, his feet are like skis. And he was just built for it. It was effortless. His balance, he's like got a gyroscope inside of him. And it's like, I don't struggle with balance at all. It's like, I do, watch. But that guy knew. He knows what he was created for. And so it gave him what? Confidence. If you know, if you doubt whether you were created for today, you're going to be pretty shy and you're going to be pretty held back. And it's like, boldness is not going to be a word that we use. It's like, I don't know. We'll just sort of timidly, I don't know. You know, I, maybe I just, I'll just sit quietly because I don't know. Like, I'm not rushing. But I'm telling you, church, according to Scripture, God knew you. In fact, he doesn't just know you. He made you unique for today. He gave you the strengths that you have for a specific purpose so that you can throw your shoulders back, stand up, Step forward and know that, yep, you're going to make some mistakes, but I know I'm built for this. I'm built for today. I've got it in me. I'm not talking about arrogance. Arrogance usually, the people that are arrogant usually don't have it in them. I'm talking about confidence. I know who knows me. I'm known by him. The reality is, there is no more important being known than to be known by your Father God. 
and there is no being accepted that remotely holds a candle to being accepted in the beloved, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Because you can be known by somebody, you can be rejected by them. But understand, church, your father, he sent Jesus to cover all of our unacceptableness so that he can both know us and accept us into the beloved, into covenant standing with the Father. So that all those things that the Lord formed inside of you, as we read in Psalm 139, we see in Jeremiah, all the things that he carefully crafted, your strengths, because he sent Jesus to cover over everything that's unacceptable, now you are accepted in the beloved and you can walk in the fullness of what he's called you for. You can step into whatever that thing is that he's got for you, knowing that his grace is sufficient. His unmerited, unearned favor will cover over you. This isn't to say, well, do whatever. Nothing matters. That's not what I'm saying. We're going to work. We're going to learn. We're going we're to knock some hard edges off of us. That's, that's part of being a disciple is learning and growing. There's, you know, the root word of disciple is discipline. We're going to discipline ourselves. There's going to be things that Two years from now, we are not doing that we currently are. It's the Holy Spirit shaping us. But those things don't disqualify us for what he has created us for. This life on earth is not meant to be one we barely survive until we don't. I see that so common in Christians today. And you ever talk to anybody and you start talking about faith and they're like, well, I know where I'm going, so I'm good. Like, that's your calling? You know where you're going, so you're good? That's not a calling. There's no purpose in that, is there? Is there a purpose in, I know where I'm going, so I'm good. I'm just going to just kind of idle through here. I'm not going to accomplish what the Lord has called us for. He didn't create us to just idle through life. He gave you giftings. He gave you purposes. And you know what? Just like we talked about with Matt and Tammy, there's seasons. There's going to be seasons where you got it pegged. And there's going to be seasons where you roll off the throttle a little bit. But church, I want to encourage you to step into each season with confidence. Knowing who you are. Knowing that you were created for such a time as this. Your identity, my identity, being known by the king. To be known by the king is a greater reality than any earthly circumstance or situation we will ever encounter. I want you to think about that. If you hear nothing else that I said this morning, to be known by the king, that is greater, and that is a greater reality than any earthly situation or circumstance you will ever encounter. It is from confidence in our spiritual identity that we're able to function and affect this earthly world with its issues. I do believe with everything inside me that we are not called to live here for however long we live here and die and disappear and the world not be changed. I don't believe that for a minute. I think we are called, for, just like Esther, for a specific purpose right now. And some of those purposes have been accomplished. But if you're here today, you've got a pulse there's purpose yet in front of you. This isn't like, well, you know what? We gave Jane that one. God had this one thing for Jane to do, and she did that years ago, so now it's just kind of idle on through. He's got stuff for Jane to do tomorrow. 
next month. There's purpose on our lives. And again, it is from is the confidence that we gain when we understand our spiritual identity, who you are in Christ. When you understand that and root it down deep in your heart, just like we talked about with, in the very beginning, do you know your spiritual identity markers? Just like your physical identity. Pick up the phone, I need to call, cancel this credit card. Who are you? What's your full name? What's your date of birth? What's the last four of your social? We know those things naturally. Do we put the same or should be greater level of intention in knowing our spiritual identity markers so that we can say with Jeremiah that I was set apart? You knew me. You purposed for me. You had a purpose for me. I know who I am and I know whose I am. Our earthly time and place, it will be transformed. Tom, you want to come up and play some guitar? This earthly time and place that we find ourselves in will be transformed as we gain revelation of being known by the Father. Sometimes our, this church model that we have, it frustrates me. Um, and some of you have done way more hours with me talking about this than you would like to. But as I look across this room, I see little feedback from each of you. I see thoughts. I see the yeah buts. Anybody ever had a case of the yeah buts? I get it real bad sometimes. Usually it's weeks like last week when you have somebody come in and then it's like, well, yeah, but I got the yeah buts. And I see those and I want to discuss, I want to have I want to have the time to not just stand up here and tell you, do this, think this, understand this, but to meet you where you are. I believe the Holy Spirit will meet you where you are. I have seen uh, in the last year the Holy Spirit's faithfulness like you can't imagine. Little details, big details. And I want to encourage you that he will meet you where you are. He will meet you with the worst case of the yabots you've ever had. But our time in this place will be transformed. It will look different as we gain revelation of being known by the Father and entrusting His hand in our lives that He's got an eternal design for your life. each uniquely crafted in his, in his image and known by him. Every time you see this podium, I want you to think of your own life. Your life was crafted by the creator God for a purpose, specific and unique to you, that only you can fulfill. Each of us uniquely crafted in his image and known by him. If you would stand with me this morning, I'd like to dismiss us with a declaration. Here at Revelation Rock, we declare this morning that we are blessed. We are blessed and highly favored. 
blessed in the city and blessed in the country when we rise up and when we lie down. And as David wrote in Psalm 37, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday sun. Verse 23 goes on and says, the steps of the righteous. You and I are the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And he delights in your way. Father, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for this body. Thank you for the unique giftings, the callings. Father, I thank you for your creativity. Knitting each person in this room in your image. Crafting them. Giving them gifts and abilities. Things that are specific and unique to them. That are needs that this society and our community has, they can fill them. Father, I just pray that boldness would well up on the inside of each person in this room, that they would step with confidence into what you have called them for, knowing that they are known by the King. They are known of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the eternal God, creator of the heavens and the earth. Father, I just thank you so much that you have come to meet us here. You've sent the Holy Spirit on the inside of each person that's here today that knows you, Lord. I just pray that a confidence born of a proper view of our own identity, I pray that that confidence would well up. It would inspire. It would draw the courage that you've placed on the inside of this each person. It would cause that courage to well up. Father, I thank you that you've promised to go before us and go behind us, to cover over us on every side. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys are dismissed. Have a wonderful week.